This is the Young Professionals Podcast, proudly brought to you by Adapt Careers, where we speak with young professionals to understand what they do in their roles day to day, how they got there and what they've learned along the way. My name is Luke Marriott. And I am Nicholas Sargent, better known as Sarge. And we are your co-hosts. Sarge, what do our listeners need to do? To stay up to date and support what we're doing, please subscribe, like the episode and leave a comment on any of our social channels. We can't wait to hear from you. Hi guys, welcome back to another episode of the Young Professionals Podcast. Today, who are we speaking with, Sarge? Luke, today we're speaking with Claire O'Neill, who is the federal member for the seat of Hotham in Victoria, a position she has held since 2013. Claire was first appointed to the Shadow Ministry in 2016 as a Shadow Minister for Justice and has since been appointed as a Shadow Minister for Federal Financial Services in 2018, Shadow Minister for Innovation, Technology and the Future of Work in 2019, and today is the Shadow Minister for Senior Australians and Aged Care Services. Prior to jumping into federal politics, Claire worked as a management consultant at McKinsey and as mayor for the city of Greater Dandenong. Claire, welcome to the show. Great. Thanks, guys. I'm so thrilled to be talking to you. Awesome. Where we like to start is what you do in your day-to-day role, and you are a politician, or more more accurately put, the federal member for the, for the seat of Hotham. Mm-hmm. What does being a federal member entail from a day-to-day perspective? Uh, there's probably three big parts to my job. The first one is I'm a local member of parliament. So I represent about a hundred, uh, hundred and sort of 30,000 people who live in the Southeastern suburbs of Melbourne. And so my job is to basically be their voice in Canberra and to represent their views on all sorts of different issues that we deal with in federal parliament. Um, I have a role as a parliamentarian as well. So for about 20 weeks a year, all federal members of parliament fly to Canberra and we kind of debate the critical federal issues of the day. And so that's the sort of the second part of my role. And the third part of my role, you mentioned that I've had a number of shadow portfolios. So that means that I have a special role within my political party of helping Labor develop a position on some specific policy issues and then going and telling everyone I can <laughs> about that, which usually involves me doing a lot of media. So that's sort of the three big chunks of work that I do. Well, hopefully today, Claire, we can give you a break from running the policy gauntlet. We can talk a little <laughs> bit more about your career um, from the media mm. standpoint. We've spoken sure. to a few people that have come through and they're more in the, you know, probably 20s to 30s and maybe just coming out of uni who are say, interested in policy and might be working for um, Australian federal departments uh, in certain jobs and they've kind of always been interested in getting into politics or that side of thing. Is that mm. your story or were you always interested in becoming a politician? And if not, what, um, what's, that, yeah, what's the story? It definitely isn't my story because um, I've always been very political. So I joined the Labor Party when I was 16 um, and so – that's very like politics is quite different to public service in a way because in public service you're meant to be neutral and you implement the views of the government of the day whereas politics is like all about your view about the country and its future and where it's going so that's sort of always been my my fascination um with the latter i never went into politics or like engaged with political parties because of career ambitions And I always, like when I talk to people, I think that's a really bad reason to go into politics, that you have like an ambition to get a particular position. Politics is really, um, 
it's really hard. It's like takes an incredible amount of patience and you can go for years without feeling like you're doing anything good. And then you'll have a week where you do something like bigger and more substantial than many other people get the chance to do in their life of service. Um, So that's just what politics is like. And I I feel that people who go into politics thinking, what can I get out of this for myself? It's very, uh, it's a very sort of, it's not a very sustaining reason to do it. And and a lot of people just don't stay the distance. Um, So I think the most important thing for people who are thinking about career options for the future is not so much about skills and that sort of thing. It's really about values and what do you feel um, is the right direction for your country. And if you have a passion about that subject, that's why I would think start engaging with politics. But I wouldn't do it with a view to thinking I'm going to be a federal member of parliament one day because it's just um, it's just not a profession that works like that. And uh, also, you know, there's a lot of luck involved in politics. Um, so you can't, it's not like, um, you know, if you want to become a partner in a law firm, you can get a law degree and you can get articles and there's this really sort of clear stepladder up to that role. Politics is not like that. There's only 150 people in the House of Representatives out of thousands and thousands and thousands, hundreds of thousands of potential people that could sit there. Uh, and so I think, you know, if you're thinking about positions of power that you want to occupy, like that's going to lead to inevitable disappointment. You've got to have values, feel driven to drive your country in a particular direction and do that without thinking about what's in it for you. I think that's the healthiest kind of mindset to have going into all this. And I think that's a good point that's been um, spoken about recently in that, you know, a good politician is someone that gets in into the profession to to serve, not to really chase a, a powerful position. Um, and that's obviously something you, you've just spoken about. Can you talk about what your day-to-day, and you can take this from, you know, when you're in your local electorate um, in Melbourne or if you're sitting at Canberra, what does that day-to-day look like when you are operating through the lens of serving others, not just necessarily chasing your own kind of career ambition? Yeah, well, I feel so lucky in my job because I get people like watch politics on the news and I really understand why they have a dim view of what politics would be because if all you know is like 30 seconds of question time of people yelling at each other, like that doesn't look very much like service to me or to any other Australian. So I, I understand why people wouldn't think about politics normally in those terms. But for me, it really is so meaningful, the work that I actually do. And one of the things I love about my job is I get to – stand up for people who don't have power on their own and like face a system that's not giving them what they deserve as a citizen. And I get to like take that person and give them a voice and advocate for them. And I just find that so fulfilling in my work. Um, you know, we, we, we deal with people who are in real strife all the time. I mean, COVID was a really good example where just my phone just ran off the hook for weeks and weeks and weeks of people who'd lost their jobs, who'd, you know, were about to get kicked out of their houses, who couldn't fulfill contracts that they'd signed, who were, you know, trying to get relatives who were stuck overseas back home. And to be able to actually do something to help those people, I just think for me that's the thing that I remember at the end of each year is the real highlights. So, um, yeah, that that's a big part of my work. It's actually, you know, the most important sort of stakeholder for me is my voters, these people that I represent who put their trust in me. And I just take that super seriously. 
And, um, yeah, so that's something I get a huge amount of fulfilment out of that people probably don't think much about when they look at what politics sort of seems to them. On that, Claire, you mentioned that um, of the three pillars of being a politician, one of them is representing people. How do you go about um, making sure you're doing that? And, um, yeah, like what what does that look like? It's a really good question, Luke, because um, uh, – sorry, sorry, I'm so sorry. Um, it's a really good question because I um, I represent a really diverse community and I think if you don't really think about how you're going to seek out people's views, you can end up listening to a small and very noisy bunch of people when, in fact, the majority of people don't think a lot about their member of parliament as their sort of first point of call when something goes wrong. Um, and I think um, something else that's really apparent to me is I represent a lot of different ethnic, big ethnic communities in my electorate and there are cultural norms around politics that they exhibit. So, for example, I represent a very large Greek Australian community. My experience is they have no issues like picking up the phone and <laughs> having a go at me when they're not happy or coming to a street stall or anything like that. So, um, but I have other communities where, you know, especially where the country that they might come from doesn't have democratic government. They just would never think, you know, if, if you knock on their door, they, they think something's gone really wrong. Um, so you have to be really creative about thinking about how you will engage with people and really try to understand what your community thinks rather than just, you know, assuming um, based on the, the noisy bunch. So we do that in lots of different ways. Um, you know, sometimes we actually just um, spend time with volunteers on the phone and just calling people at home and saying, you know, this issue is really topical at the moment. What, what do you use? What do you think about this? Uh, we knock on people's doors. Um, we just did something. Um, we did a big massive coffee catch up uh, earlier this year where I asked all of my constituents out for coffee and hundreds and hundreds of people took the opportunity to sort of come and meet me at a coffee shop and have a chat about what's on their mind. Um, with young people, we try to do as much online engagement as we can. You two would probably be conscious of this as young people don't tend to prefer to be consulted that way in my experience. Um, we use social media a lot as well, of course. Um, that's a really great way to connect with constituents. Um, and we do, you know, surveys by mail. So it's just like a massive assortment of things that we try. Um, and yeah. And do you have a do you have a team helping you to like sift through that data and, and yeah. distill what the messages are? Yeah, I do. So I've got, um, I've got about five staff that help me across everything that I do. So the, the big three sort of areas that I described before. Um, and so a couple of them would probably be in charge of running each of these consultations as we go on. The other thing I just wanted to mention is we, we use community leaders a lot. Um, it's not like you don't want to overstate the importance of that, but um, most of the people I represent are involved in a church or a school or, you know, a community organisation of some kind. So we do a lot of work through those groups as well. But this is like a perennial challenge for members of parliament, um, especially when most politicians would prefer not to have to think about or engage with politics outside of having to vote in an election every couple of years. So, um, yeah, we try to really work hard to keep people engaged with us. Claire, uh, we talk a lot on this show about acquiring skills that you can kind of apply in multiple areas of your life. And I think this is a good example, right, because not everyone wants to be a politician. But what I'm hearing from you in that, like what, what are the most important skills that you use every day is being able to 
gather people around maybe a, a sole um, uh, kind of target or, um, or or motive for doing something or uh, appeal to people's needs and wants to get them all going in one direction. That is obviously an important skill for students that are coming into any kind of workforce out of, out of uni or out of TAFE or wherever they're coming from. How did you get better at that skill or is that something that you've always been good at, you know, rallying people around you or, or a common cause or is, it, or is it something you've had to work on? Mm. Oh, gee, that's a good one. Um, I think I'm learning to do it all the time and and this is such an important skill for politicians because, like, I want to be part of a political conversation that's unified, not divided, and so trying to seek and build unity and, like, build empathy between groups of Australians, even if they don't share much life experience, that's obviously incredibly crucial. And one of the things I'd observe about politics, like, versus sort of 15 years ago, it's much more siloed now because we've got these sort of different conversations happening on the internet where people are getting different news feeds and, you know, they're sort of narrowing down their interests a bit. So, um, so I think I'm, I'm working on it all the time. Um, but I think also probably this is something I've always enjoyed doing. Um, so I, I, I'm not sure if we'll get into this, but, um, when I was quite young, I, um, I had this really amazing experience to get to be the mayor of my local council area in the city of Greater Dandenong. And when I look back on that time, like we achieved really amazing things. Um, But one of the things I enjoyed most was trying to get 11 people to actually be comfortable and agreeable around a certain viewpoint and like really thinking about, okay, well, if this person doesn't agree with the exact direction what can I do to help them feel included and feel heard and that their concerns are being taken into account in making this decision so I think that's something I've always really enjoyed um but yeah as I say I'm still learning on that sorry to interrupt on on that example Claire Mm -hmm. is there also a part of that story that okay if you hear you know three or four people that don't agree with the story or the message that you're trying to push then it's like oh well maybe we need to amend our message to be a representation of the society that we're meant to be representing is mm. it is that part of the story as well yeah i totally think so yeah so in fact, if i look at politics today one of my real frustrations is that i think we all spend a bit too much time talking to people that already share our point of view in a way that would only convince someone who already shares our point of view. Um, and that's actually just not that helpful. Um, it might feel good at the, in the time to get, you know, lots of likes on your Twitter feed or whatever, but the, the real um, challenge of politics is how do I take these different groups of people with different experiences and values and, and bring them in one particular direction. So, yeah, I think it's, um, it's a real art form and yeah, I'm just learning and working on it all the time. What about the flip side where you may have a view that you know is right or that for whatever reason data suggests right or like in one way or another, you know, it's right, but, but the majority of people can't see it that way. Like what do you do then? Oh, look, I mean, I think my approach is um, people, people pose this sort of, um, hypothetical ethical dilemma to politicians all the time. Like what happens when you don't agree with your party and what happens when you don't agree with your community? And I actually find it, it doesn't happen as much as you think. Um, there's, it's, it's very quite rare. I think for me to come across a political issue where 
I'm really confident that my community feels one way and I feel another. But I think like as a politician, ultimately my responsibility is to do what I believe is right. But I think there's a very important second part to this, which is about how you deal with the people who don't agree with you. So if I can just give you an example on the um, marriage equality debate that we had uh, a couple of years ago, my community voted in favour of marriage equality, but it wasn't very significant. The margin wasn't very significant. A lot of people didn't vote for marriage equality in my community. And I guess um, I see that in that debate, a lot of people really were very angry and upset with the people who voted no, and I, I understand why. But I really see my role as I feel I have a duty to listen to everyone. And so I spend a lot of time, for example, talking with my Christian leaders, many of whom voted no and their communities voted no. That wasn't universally the case, but but in many instances. And just really trying to, to hear them out and understand deeply what, it, what their objection was with this and me being honest and explaining why I felt really strongly about it. And I just think there's not enough of those conversations happening. It's sort of like you're with me or against me, whereas I really believe like there's a lot of goodness out there amongst people who don't share my values and views and like we should seek always to be understanding when we're in conflict. I couldn't agree more. And one thing that has stuck out that I always remember from a lecturer at uni that was saying, we were talking about, it was like a cultural subject or something. And they were saying when someone does something or says something that you disagree with, the simple changing of, or the framing of, oh, that's annoying or, or that is something that's counter to what I'm thinking. If you just simply change that to, oh, that's interesting. And then you go yeah. down that line of thinking and explore why they're thinking that or mm. whatever it might be. And I think why I'm kind of harping on this is because it's so transferable to any profession, um, whether you're even at, at uni, in, in a uni assignment and someone doesn't want to do the work or, or anything even as mundane as that. If you're flipping that into, oh, that's interesting, why aren't they really that engaged with this? Or um, yeah. if you're trying to you know, do something at work and you need to kind of rally people around you um, to get something done, it, it's a really important uh, mindset to have, I think. Yeah, I think that's right, Luke. And I think so much of these conversations are had on the basis of argument. Like my goal in this conversation is to convince you that I'm right. Whereas the the mindset I try to adopt with this is I want to be able to really understand what you think. So I can articulate it just as well as you can. And it's not so I can convince you that my view is better. It's just like, that's my job. I just think that's my job. You know, there's a whole bunch of people out there in my community who aren't Labor voters and who have totally different views about all this other stuff, I still have to represent them somehow in Parliament. And so listening and understanding are just really like core things that I have to be able to do well. Oh, thanks for sharing. And Claire, let's jump back to, or it's about this point where we'd like to jump back to understand uh, our guests kind of uh, journey through education and kind of into the workforce. Now you mm-hmm. studied law at Monash or arts and then law at Monash uh, and then went on to a pretty special university to study your master's. Do you want to talk us through that process and how that kind of set you up for your next few years after university? Yeah, great. Thank you. Um, yeah, I studied Australian history uh, in my arts degree and uh, and then I did law. I don't know if I should have ever done law. I'm not, because I'm not sure if it's been helpful. I mean, I guess there's, I, I make laws now or I help to make laws. So that, that has been a bit useful, but I don't know. It was a long slog. Um, but I, I did that for studied for seven years at Monash to do those degrees. And then I went, um, to, um, Harvard to study public policy after that. Um, and the reason I did that was because 
firstly, I really wanted to get out of Australia and just get some perspective. I had been so heavily involved in politics for a long time and I just wanted to like open my mind a little bit to what else was out there. You know, I'd lived my whole life in Melbourne, whole life, you know, pretty much my whole teenage to adult life working in the Labor Party and I just, I didn't want to be someone who only knew that tiny little slice of the world. Um, so I left Australia and went and studied overseas and I had a pretty open mind at the time about never coming back. I just didn't actually, I just wanted to go away and think like I couldn't do anything I want now, um, live overseas or whatever. And then when I was away, I, uh, I just was, I just, I just really learned how much Australia meant to me when I was overseas. Like I didn't realize how, patriotic I was until I left the country and all I could think about was Australia like the beaches and the political issues and everything here and I was learning about all these really important public policy problems around the world but I just didn't feel an emotional connection to those things the way I did to the things that were happening at home so I did decide to come back so I spent two years um, studying at Harvard the most it was the most amazing experience like honestly forget about career stuff. Like if you can get the chance to study overseas, it's mind blowingly brilliant and just a great life experience. If that's something that interests you. So, yeah. So I, so I was there for two years, you know, lifelong friends from all over the world. And I just learned so much and um, yeah, I think probably reconnected a bit as well with like the values that had driven me into politics as a teenager um, that I was able to kind of, get put into practice when I came home again. Do you think that the studying different countries' issues like made you more interested in Australia's issues because you could contextualise those and, and like benchmark or benchmark them or balance them against what you were seeing whilst you were studying at Harvard? I think um, I think what it made me feel is like a much larger sense of possibility about what governments can do because you spend all day talking to people about governments, their governments, because the Kennedy school where I studied public policy, it's very multicultural. Like they bring the sort of young political types from every country in the world, just about and teach them all together. Um, so it's probably, yeah, more thinking about, wow, like politics, I, I already feel politics is so powerful, but talking to all these people, you just realise governments can do so much. They can do anything virtually. They can, you know, help to support any type of society. And so, yeah, it probably was a bit of a moment for me of just just reminding myself of, like, this is such a worthy thing to be doing because government can be so powerful when people with good values and good skills are in charge. That's probably a really nice segue, Claire, into talking about how you came to become the federal member for Hotham. You mentioned that, uh, you were previously the mayor of Greater Dandenong and that you had a um, fair bit of ties with the Labor Party prior to that. What did your pathway look like in to be the member of Hotham? Uh, well, I wasn't working in politics um, at the time. So after I finished studying overseas, I came back to Australia and I worked in business um, for uh, about three and a half, four years and um, also my partner and I went and lived in the Northern Territory and did some Aboriginal sort of community work there for a year as well. Uh, not quite a year, but almost a year. Um, so I sort of was living in Melbourne and um, I just had a baby and the federal election was on in 2013 and it was probably the first federal election 
where I was really not paying a lot of attention because I was just so preoccupied with being a new mum. And um, the seat where I had been the local councillor um, and had this sort of long association, um, the, the Labor candidate had to resign and they had to find someone to fill this role really quickly. And I think I was um, in the right place at the right time. I sort of knew this community really well. I knew the local branches really well. And um, this was just an area where I'd had a lot of previous experience. And so they sort of, my name got put forward as a candidate. And then, yeah, it was like the timing was not ideal because um, I'd had a newborn, like literally the baby was eight weeks old. Um, But I knew enough to know, like, you don't get the chance to run for federal parliament more than once in your life. So I was like, immediately pretty much let's do it. So we uh, took the plunge and here I am eight years on. Uh, I love the attitude of just taking a risk and, you know, you say a once in a lifetime or potentially once in a lifetime opportunity and you take it. Claire, we'll start wrapping up in a bit, but I've got two questions for you. The second will kind of flow from the first, but yeah, a lot of your positions from a very young age have been uh, leadership oriented. Like you're a global young leader at the World Economic Forum. You've come into a prestigious university. Um, you're now obviously a federal member of parliament. What makes a good leader and second to that you ever since you've been in federal parliament you've been in opposition so what makes a good leader in an opposition seat not not, not just in politics but where you feel like you don't necessarily have the immediate ability to drive immediate change but you still need to rally people around you uh, yeah great question um so I feel like we need to do another podcast follow-up, guys. <laughs> this is, this is, we're getting into some really deep stuff here. Um, look, something I think is really important is um, like bringing people together is what leadership is. That That's someone we want to follow, a unifier. And, um, and I think part of that that's probably not talked about that much is the recognition that, different people need to be dealt with in different ways and that they will respond to very different things. And I think one of the most important aspects of being a good leader is this flexibility and really understanding that that person who you want to follow you is the most important person and you need to do it their way sometimes, um, not just barrel in with your sort of one mode of demanding action. I think we deal with this a lot as parents who to a probably a bit young for this at the moment. <laughs> if we've got any parents listening, they'll know exactly what I'm talking about because, you know, your kids are all very different and, and you get the thing that you want from them by tailoring how you deal with them to their specific needs. So I just think um, that's something that's very important. But I think there's lots of other things that are, you know, really well understood. Like you have to be very approachable and you have to be, um, I think, live a normal life like that other people can understand to see that you're, you know, you're normal, like you're, you're, you're one of them. Um, so I think there's a, there's a lot in there. Um, and in terms of being opposition leader, I mean, I don't think it's, um, I don't think it's any different. I think, you know, when I think about the sort of work that I did as mayor of a local council, it's very similar, you know, and, and, and it would be the same for you guys in leadership roles that you've had in whatever you've done in your life, but you know, footy clubs or whatever it's been for you. Um, the same sort of skill sets actually relevant, I think for all these things. So yeah, for anyone who's listening out there, like we, we need great leaders in politics. So if that's something that you've felt driven to, 
this is something you should be definitely thinking about as a career and a, a calling, I guess. Well, to that end, Claire, what are some um, final pieces of advice you'd have for students that are interested in learning more about what the political landscape looks like or becoming involved in, in politics? Well, the, the kind of organising um, force of Australian politics is political parties. So if you want to learn more about what it means to be heavily involved in politics, you really need to join a political party and engage through that. Um, if you find political parties as like an offensive proposition, politics is probably not a good place for you. <laughs> um, it is just how it is just how politics works, and um, you've got your own independent here or there, and they're great people to be associated with, of course. So I don't mean it has to be this like narrow range of two or three political parties, but parties is how it's done. And so I'd really encourage young people who are interested in politics to see if you feel a natural allegiance to a political party, and if you do, just jump online and sign up. You've not, not, got nothing to lose and there's plenty of jobs for young people in politics. Um, one of the things that's, I think, really cool about um, political involvement is like when I look back to when I joined the Labor Party in year 10, year 11, however old I was, like I was basically immediately meeting politicians, helping them letterbox their materials, meeting young people who were doing fascinating things with their work so it's one of those jobs where straight away you're actually involved and doing something that really matters. And there's not many careers like that, you know. You're not photocopying in the back of the office. You're actually out there knocking on doors, talking to people about what your party's up to. Um, so, yeah, I think it's not something that you should leave until you're in your late 20s or whatever because it's hard to actually transition into politics at that stage. I think it's really great if uh, – if you've got that passion when you're young to just jump right in and have a go. Awesome. I think that's awesome advice and a great place to leave it. So thanks Claire for coming on the show today. It's been very cool to hear about your journey and to learn a little bit about what it's like to be a politician. So thank you. That's great. Thanks Arch. Thanks Luke. I really appreciate the time. Thanks Claire. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you have a profession you would like to know more about, a question you would like us to ask, or a story you would like to tell, please reach out to us on the social channels at either the Young Professionals Podcast, TYPPAU, or our personal profiles. We'd love to hear from you.